Hi, you guys. Hey. So it's Easter week. It is. What's the plans? The podcast just got better because Alyssa and I are back. <laughs> what? No, I'm no. not even going to argue. And, and it'll get even better when Brian and Jeff leave. And yeah. Listen, listen, <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. No, I'm super proud of you guys. I, I said it to you, but I'll say it so that it's on the mic and it's recorded that I really enjoyed listening to you guys. I didn't find much I wanted to edit, just wanted to keep on listening. So thank you guys for doing that. It was really good. Thank you. It was good. Yeah. Y'all enjoyed were, it. It was, it flowed so well. It was great content. I just thought it was. Really impactful. Well, thank you. That means a lot coming from you girls. Oh, what are you saying? <laughs> no, it really does. We have I mean, a lot of critical words. No, y'all are, I, I mean, I... No, we respect your opinion. Yeah. Oh, I respect you. what you guys do with this podcast, too, so um, that means a lot to me. So did you get Jonah a new outfit for Easter? Oh, my gosh. I oh, can't even tell you about it. Oh, you it haven't because, seen it yet? Wait, Sam will listen to this, and she wants to be surprised by it, so. <gasps> She, so had, she how, showed it last night. I figured she'd show it to the group. How old is study. Jonah now? Jonah turned three months on the fourth. So, so a three to six month outfit? Yes. Is that what we're looking at? Okay. Yes. Oh, how exciting. It's so much fun. It's very cute. And it is well accessorized. The oh stuff gosh, that so they come out with oh for babies gosh. is <laughs> insanely aw- It's just the cutest thing. I will say that our budget is probably a little wacko because we have a grandson now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fun. So are y'all planning to spend the day with them? Yeah, they're coming. All down the for girls the are wet. Um, they're coming down for the weekend, and then um, Blake and Lexi will come over after church on Sunday. Okay, we'll just hang out. We're gonna. They want to do a family picture with everybody. It's like so cool that my kids are the ones initiating that, and yeah. so I'm like, yes. Yeah, they're setting a tradition. That. Whenever there is a new grandchild, we will do a family picture on the next holiday. I love that that tradition. I'm like, that's a great idea. You know, this is the great thing about having friends that have kids that are older because the wisdom and the fun ideas and best practice, it's just great to to go, ah, that is good. And I love that tradition. Are y'all going to coordinate outfits? The girls want to. (laughs) I think think Jeff should get the same outfit. Oh, my stars. Oh, dude, that that's would be the cutest hilarious. outfit. Yeah, Grandpa, look at his outfit. That's what Jeff's gonna wear, dude. That's, that Jeff would make that outfit look good. <laughs> he used to have golf shorts that look like that oh, a little my bit, dude. If you did that, that would be so cool. That that needs to be the tr- tradition. Can we make forward. that work? Oh, yeah. Grandpa dresses like the Amazon. newest grandkid. <laughs> How epic would that be? That would be awesome. I just don't think your shorts should be that short. And we have, <laughs> and one of the grandkids is like, to, and he has to wear a diaper. That's right. <laughs> Oh, no. What I was going to say is our next grandkid's born like December 14th. So Christmas, I'm wearing a onesie with a diaper. (laughs) No, I was going to say. All the eggnog you want and you don't even have to get up off the couch. Oh, y'all are disgusting. I was going to say put a bow on it by wearing the bow tie. A diaper, you weirdos. That's disgusting. I mean, I'm envisioning like a new lifestyle. He's not far from diaper uh, I mean, age I do anyways. have to wipe his mouth almost as much <laughs> yeah. as I have to wipe Jonah's. And I sit there on Sunday and I watch golf for the afternoon and I've got my drinks like lined up Jeff. and I've got to go use the restroom. Yeah. What if I just wore a diaper? Oh Problem gosh. solved. Oh my gosh. How, did an, how is Easter, what's your plans, turn to this mess? <laughs> Uh, hi, <laughs> my name's Lisa Carter. Have we met? This is Jeff and Brian. I think it's more Jeff. Actually, yeah, you're right. It's the Jeff guy. and Brian. 
Wow. Uh, aren't we're you just glad problem that, solvers. Yeah. Aren't you glad <laughs> that we didn't have this kind of humor last week? We were serious. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's Saved right. it all for this one. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. Fun. We may have some background tunes in this one, which is cool, but yeah, they're, they're rehearsing for the Easter service. And so wherever it is that we record. <laughs> so this might get edited, but we'll buy equipment here in the next two or three weeks. Yeah. Two or three weeks. Yeah. As Man. It fits in that budget. We yep. Shake your moneymaker. <laughs> yep. we, we also, as a um, and put a diaper on podcast, uh, we're putting it out there that we take donations. That's right. Yes, sponsorships for our own equipment. I'm sure it's a write-off. Right. Just just the same as a bus would be a write-off. Depending, I mean, that's the thing. We got the lower end and the higher end. So, back to Easter. Back to Easter. So the kids will come over. We'll do family picture. They want to hunt Easter eggs. They want Jonah to go look for Easter eggs. So Kennedy's just going to take them around and. Fine Easter eggs, I guess. But That's awesome. That's so cute. Yeah. It's fun. Memories. Yep. Mm-hmm. How about y'all? Um, so we kind of have a tradition. I'm an only child. And so on Easter, we typically go over to my parents' house, have lunch, and then do Easter eggs for the kids. And my mom was like, are we going to keep on doing that? I'm like, heck yeah. I would still hunt Easter eggs if you put money in them and candy. <laughs> I mean, I'm all yeah, over right? that. So Yeah. So we have changed it a little bit because my mom's like, it's boring and it's a lot of work to, to stuff Easter sure. eggs by myself. And so we do it together now and it takes us less than an hour and we just get to, you know, hang out and talk and you can't really screw up putting candy and Easter eggs. So yeah, that's fun. Fun. and then she'll go and put money in some of them. And so it's fun. Yeah. Good deal. But it's weird to have one kid who's obsessed with money and one that doesn't care. She's the one that saves all the money. So mm. she has all the money and doesn't like <laughs> an extra five bucks. She's like, wow, you know, so. She probably has more money than we do. Yeah. Once she starts having like obligations, like yeah. gas and car payments, True. she'll start caring a little bit more. Sam yeah. was like that. And then that turned into, hey, can I get 20 bucks, you know, to go fill up? And she'd fill up for like $10. Oh. <laughs> she was playing the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So anyway, I'm excited. It's, yeah, it's just some fun. good family time and. It'd be good. And then I think Brian's parents don't live here. And so they'll come down for the weekend and we'll see them on Saturday. So good. Be a good weekend. Of course. Church, he just not realizing church that. is always important. Good Friday service. You guys go to yep. good, good Friday service? No. No? No. But the first service we ever went to here was Good Friday. Oh, really? They have That's a Good Friday service? Yeah. Oh. I used to do the candlelight services mm-hmm. at the, at, you know, like at First Baptist you know, mm-hmm. long time ago, and that was really cool. Or is that Christmas? That's Christmas usually. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong holiday. Okay, Here, then no, I don't do anything they for usually Easter. Do communion for Good Friday, and it's a, it's it, that's why I fell in love with it. And yep. we don't need to talk about all of it, but um, you know the thing where they have you as a family do communion, and that's what why we first fell in love with going here. And, and then when COVID happened two years ago, they did a drive-through and you go get your communion things and you sat and watched a service. And we sat on our back patio and did Good Friday there and it was super cool. It was really cool. Because we were sitting out there and a storm started rolling in and like yep. the sky got dark and it was like orchestrated perfect to go with like the Good Friday feel. It was really neat. That's cool. So when did they do that on Friday? 6.30. Gotcha. Where have I been? Yeah, yeah you should I've come. That's great. It's Under a rock? Maybe. Mm-hmm. You've been at First Baptist with a candle hoping something <laughs> would start up. I'm, I'm here, Let Josh. me in. 
I'm here. <laughs> oh my gosh, that I'm such a dork. You oh. took your own candle? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, she kept showing up and they weren't handing them out. She's like, y'all are doing this wrong. <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> Everybody does this on Easter. <laughs> That's so good. I mean, it makes sense to do communion on Easter and have a candle on Christmas. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about what we're talking about. Let's go. All right. Well, welcome to the Marriage Unfiltered podcast. I'm Lisa Carter. I'm Jeff Carter. I'm Melissa Field. And I'm Brian Field. And we are four broken people. Trying to find broken people, help broken people. By exposing what marriage really is. By removing all the filters. Oh, yeah. You said bye again. again. Let's do do this again. (laughs) Oh, because you say bye. Okay. Yeah. There's too many byes. You can't go bye bye. Okay. okay. (laughs) Jeff did it wrong, too. I did. <laughs> Trying to help. Not Lisa people. and I. No, Not we got Lisa this. and I. <laughs> the bookends are keeping us sane. <laughs> That's right. As long as we start strong and finish strong. Okay, it we're really good. Matter. It doesn't matter. That's the fluff right. on the matter. inside. We are Fine. the belt of truth. That's right. <laughs> Y'all are the belt of truth. Alyssa and I are the fluff on the inside. <laughs> and it's like an Oreo. It's the good stuff. That's right. <laughs> Just yeah, kidding. That's true. And her and I like sugar more than y'all two do. So, yeah, we're onto something here. That's right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's probably not the best time of day to record because we are uh, silly. Hilarious. I will confess something. Kennedy made this chocolate cake last night for one of the guys that I work with. And when they got done with it, they put it in the break room. And I'm like, I, I've had almost no sugar all year. Do, I don't care. I like sugar, but it's not, it's not what gets me. I'm like, I'm going to try it. So I could tell her I tried it. And I ate a slice. And the whole day, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need more sugar. All I could think about it, it tells you Are how you addictive serious? it is. I can't stop thinking about sugar. I'm like, wow. it was good. But That's crazy. it instantly spiked my. That's crazy. Whatever that. I just yeah. have sugar like it's every long. hour. And yeah. I never have that thought. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. I'm the same way. You just have a constant flow. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I was like wanting, so I got some popcorn and I got an apple. I was like munchy. You got a popcorn uh, and an apple? I mean, I can to balance that bad a, boy out. Were you at I a was, carnival? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to keep on snacking. It, it just spiked my cravings for things. Did okay. you see the bearded lady? I try to confess my vulnerable moment where I ate cake. That ain't going to work tonight, girl. We're in a foul mood. Not foul. It's funny. Okay, so what... Um, I've, I've just had this on my heart because I feel like... Right now, I think I counted, I have six women that I'm walking with who are all walking through the process of divorce. And so I talked to each one of them and asked them independently, like, what, what got you to this place? And would you choose to be here if you had a choice? And overwhelmingly, 100% of them said, what got us to this place was we didn't do the work. Um, almost all of them, there was a big event that took place where there just wasn't um, a fight on the other side to save the marriage. Um, but then they said, ultimately, they, they, a lot of times they recognized that the world was just okay saying there's a back 
door. There's an option out. And then, then in turn, there's the church shaming them for choosing divorce. And so we're not going to go way deep into divorce tonight, but I do want to talk a little bit about um, what it means to make a covenant commitment in your marriage and why it's important. What we do is primarily, mostly we want marriages to be enjoyable and full of life that we've all learned how to find, but we want to avoid the conflict that takes us to where we get divorced or be at the place where we're willing to say that we want a divorce. And so um, I kind of want to just chat about that tonight. You put some questions out in front of us. One of them was um, just the definition of what, was it a a contract and a covenant? Mm -hmm. The difference between covenant and contract. Can we talk about that? And then we can kind of go into that, the rest of it, because I think that's important to know. You want to do the divorce stuff later, or not even talk about it, because people are going to be listening to this that are being abused or whatever. We're coming at it that, you know, you need to stay in your marriage without the... I would say everyone that is listening is in a different place in their life. Um, If you have gone through a divorce, I'm not throwing you under the bus. Brian's been divorced before, and God can use your story. He's not done with you. If you have breath, you are in God's will and he is, he has a plan for you. He's not done with you. So, um, there's no condemnation in Christ. God can renew and restore and bring beauty from ashes. So if you've walked that, there's no condemnation. And I think me personally, I feel like the church has done a terrible job of saying you can't divorce. If you are, um, a Christian and you, attend church, like divorce is shunned. And I do want to preface that there are some situations where I personally feel that divorce is necessary if there's abuse or if you're, I mean, I have a lot of friends who have um, had a spouse um, go outside the marriage and have an affair and they have reconciled. Um, others have not, you know, there's all sorts of situations, but please hear our hearts that um, if there's something going on where you're being abused and we are not saying you have to stay in your marriage there, there are some cases in my jail agree that yes, yeah. it's not healthy. God doesn't, he wants to bring you life and help you thrive. And if you are under the thumb of someone who is um, stealing your life and causing you harm, that's not living the life that God's called you to. Well, the reason that God hates sin and God hates divorce, and do not hear me say that divorce is sin because not all divorce equals sin. Um, It's because it's harmful to us. And so he hates divorce because it hurts and it's hard. And um, one of the most clarifying things I've ever heard was when somebody steps outside of their marriage, has an affair or does something to betray the covenant of your marriage, that person has chosen to break the covenant when there is no reconciliation and that person isn't choosing to repent and repair the marriage and the other spouse goes and files a civic divorce that's that's just a civic duty. It's a civic action. The person who offended the marriage, they chose divorce. They chose to break the covenant of marriage. Oh, and good. so I think that's really important. Yes, if you are being abused, God does not want that. That He doesn't want you to stick it out for the sake of not getting divorced. You must get out. Um, if your spouse has betrayed you, 
yes, fight for it. I do know redeemed marriages that they have fought through and been redeemed, but that's not always going to happen. And when you, that person continues to offend, that's abuse as well. And so, yeah, that's a great way to preface and start out by saying, because we're going to talk about why not to get divorced tonight, but those are the reasons that we want to say, yeah, there's, there's grace and mercy there. Absolutely. So, yeah, what's the difference between a covenant and a contract? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. <laughs> Did you Google it? I Googled it because uh, nice. that's what I do. <laughs> when, I don't, when I don't know the answer. That's our first T-shirt. <laughs> I Googled it because that's what I do. <laughs> so uh, what old Google had to say was, a contract is an agreement between parties and it's legally binding. A covenant is a pledge or a spir- spiritual agreement with God. Cool. Yeah. Oh, right. I love that, that the covenant is strictly to God, has nothing to do with the other person. That's exactly right. right. That's exactly right. Well and then, said. And then I, I wrote down, a Christian marriage is a covenant that is made between two persons with God in the center. That means that God pledges to help us hold the covenant together, even when we, even when we may feel like giving up. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. That's good. So there you go. I think that's covered so we can move on. <laughs> well, with the contract, if one party betrays a contract, it falls apart and you feel like, okay, well, I guess I don't have to honor the contract anymore either. With the covenant, like you said, Alyssa, it's one way. You've made that covenant with God and it's not like, well, and God's not going to fail us. Mm-hmm. And even when our spouse mm-hmm. fails us, mm-hmm. it's a covenant with God, not with our spouse. That's amazing. Yeah. I love listening to that. I know. I'm, They're so good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That music's good. Um, so do you, can you guys think of a time when you can confess that you treated your marriage like a contract? Yeah, so <clears throat> we haven't really told our, our full story, but um, we were in, when things were really bad, we... I withdrew and I listened to all the lies that the enemy was feeding me. Like I married the wrong man. Things will never change. My life will be better without him. My kids will be healthier without him. He doesn't bring me joy or peace. And so I am a different person because of him and I don't like it. And so I, I was waiting for him to have an affair um, because he, is really big into CrossFit and he's at the gym a lot. And then on the flip side, he was waiting for me to file for divorce. And so um, we let um, the enemy, I mean, it really is crazy because I think this all comes down to the enemy. And if we, in our situation, again, there was no abuse. There was just the overwhelming sense of you. I mean, I hate you. You don't bring me any joy. You bring pain to me because of your words. Um, we were just talking about this earlier, but the angry, you know, Brian had angry outbursts and then I withdrew. And so we weren't even able to communicate on any level. And so I feel like for us, my feelings dictated that I didn't give a crap about our contract because legally binding, whatever. It, I felt like I, my life would be better outside of the marriage. And so, yeah, I, I, just for me personally, I was like, I understand that I'm going to be 
you know, I'm going to have to walk divorce, but God will restore that and I'll be okay. And I think that, you know, I didn't know this at that time. I thought I was a believer, but I wasn't. Um, my, my conversion or, or change, um, came after the fact, right? So for me, I'd already been divorced and it, you know, honestly, it worked out, Mm. you know? And so I think the enemy does a good job in the midst of it to blind you to, and the, and the biggest lie I think that most people make or the agreement that they make with is things will be better. Yeah. Things are, things, this is too hard and things will be better if we were divorced. Yeah. And so that's what I wanted. And I did a lot of things on the side. Like I um, had a, a business, a side business that I was um, trying to really be successful in so that I did, I could make my own money and do my own thing. So we, I, we kind of used the analogy of a back door. Like I had a back door exit. I had a plan. I had, um, I knew that in the state of Texas, I'd get 50% of everything. And so I just started kind of processing what that would look like, taking steps that direction. And so... 50% of zero is zero. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like for us, for me anyway, it was there's a back door and I always had that, not one foot out, but it was kind of like, I'm just going to walk straight through this door and I don't care. Um, And and I really truly now look back and go, I saw the grass, you know, the grass was greener on the other side. I could see somebody else's yard from the inside of my house. That's kind of how I visualize this whole one foot outside the door or whatever. But it's like that was, I could see other people's, my perception of their marriage was better and their happiness. I wasn't happy. I wasn't joyful. I, there was no laughter or peace in our house. And so that looked really appealing to me. And so I thought that's where the answers lied. And so praise God, our story is a story of redemption. Um, Again, because there was no abuse. There was just sheer, I can't stand you, I hate your guts. I mean, that kind of is the point we got to. But that is not grounds for divorce. As crazy as that sounds, um, God can restore that. But I relied more heavily on my feelings than trusting God. You say that, but looking back on it now, you were faithful because you were the one that came to me um, in the kitchen that day and you said, um, I, Brian, I need to apologize, apologize to you because I've been disrespectful and I just want you to know that divorce is not an option. So it was that act of humility that got us off this crazy cycle. And at that point I said, crap, you mean... Mm-hmm. Divorce is not an option. I'm going to have to work on this. So that was kind of the catalyst that that started everything. Yeah, and I took a lot of pride in my relationship with God and <clears throat> doing the right things like, oh, we're doing this Bible study and we're doing all these things. And I felt like my my relationship was really healthy with other people and with God, except for this department of my life that was my marriage. And it was like, Oh, I'm bitter and I'm angry and all of these things. And so it actually was the point where I told God I'm done. And I just threw my hands up and I was like, I'm done. And literally the whole, like, I opened my Bible, read a verse. And in those verses, he told me, you will not divorce Brian and you are to be a believer in any situation I put you in. So out of obedience, I did it. It wasn't out of anything else because the feelings were not yeah. there. 
but you, but that's part of the covenant. Yeah, you you um, you were obedient in a situation where ninety nine point nine percent of all women would have not been. Mm. You know what I mean? But I mean that's just God. That's that's all God. It's not because I was not in a, a healthy place with the way I viewed you, and then you know, and then God just started working on us. So I would say you know, looking back, what I did is I walked in obedience, even when I didn't feel like it. Even when I'm like, in my head, I promise you, I was thinking, how am I not going to resent him tomorrow? Because nothing's changing. He's still the way he is. And again, it was always him, 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 and never looking at myself and going, how can, you know, I was, I was a really, real peach to live with. I think you you need to look at, I want to clarify that it was you. God was in that, and God really affected your decision-making, but you still made those decisions, and you decided to stay. You could have left. You could have heard God and said, no, I still don't buy it. I'm out. Yeah. And, and so God was in that, but, and the, point I'm, the reason I'm bringing that up is God is going to be in these situations of people that, were, that are listening where you know, divorce is an option right now for them, and unless God steps in, you know, we're going to get a divorce. Well, God is stepping in right now. You're just choosing that the divorce is still the way to go. That's that what I was going to say is the, the choice is always going to be pre- presented. Right. God gives us a choice and we can either choose to obey or to right. go our own way. I do agree with that. Okay. There's always, yeah, I'm glad cool. you, you brought that up because there is that opportunity to... Walk in, yeah. walk in obedience. Well, you said one sentence that was a profound statement that you probably didn't even realize you said. You you said, okay, God, I'm done. And he said, finally. Right? You let go. Yeah. You quit You quit trying that's to right. control. That's right. Oh, I did that. God was like, cool. Now <clears throat> I can work. Yeah. that's a, I, I missed that too. And guys, it's instantaneous. Like literally, it was the I'm done. My Bible opened, flipped to these pages, and it was... First Corinthians seven, and it was talking about marriage. I'm like, of course, it's not about marriage. <laughs> but when he told me that, I lit. It wasn't, and that's the thing is, God does not need like intricate, profound, you know, any of this stuff. I just told Brian what God told me. It was like I, so I knew I was being disrespectful, so I apologized to him again out of obedience. And um, so, yeah, it, it really is interesting how God can work in those moments. But this goes back to our relationship with the Lord individually, because if I wouldn't have had that, I would have once surrounded myself with people that were speaking. Yeah. Divorce is great. Go do it. It, You'd be better off. I didn't have that community. Um, And so I had people that listened and loved me, but didn't, you know, didn't push me that direction. And so um, looking back, God, God did, you know, when I think um, for us, I, the way I viewed our marriage as a covenant was it was different because I didn't. Um, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but divorce was never a word I was going to use. And so I knew that wasn't, I didn't think it was an option, but it churned in my mind. But the contract part for me was, oh, well, a contract means I give 50, you give 50. And if he wasn't giving 50, then I was going to, well, he's not giving. And really what it should be is I give 100, no matter how much he gives. Yeah. 
And the contract, the contract says we equally sign our part away. And so it was, well, if he doesn't care to show me love in this way, then I'm going to go. I mean, seriously, when he was, I'd find out he was hiding money. I'd go spend money. I'd be like, you know what? You want to go use money and abuse our money? I'm going to go buy a bunch of crap that we don't need. You're in breach of contract, so I'm going to breach the contract. Exactly. That's actually a good good analogy is a contract is a 50-50 agreement Mm -hmm. and a covenant is a 100-100 agreement. Right. Well, it's, yeah, it's it's 100, no matter what the yeah, other... Yeah, 100. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you put it. 100 question mark. Well, it's because <laughs> it's not about the other person. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm going to give 100%. But I think that's the biggest part of the contract part of it is like, you're not living up to your end of the contract, so I don't have to live up to my yeah, end. I'm at right? liberty to yep. go yes. ahead and do the same. And I think that that's where divorce is so common right now. Oh, yeah. Is it's like, well, you're not doing, you are not meeting my needs you're not holding up your end. And so I am not obligated to stay here because this isn't what I signed up for. That's right. mm-hmm. it, then it becomes justified. Yeah. And that's really that. So that's the part that we are super passionate about saving because that is not truth. And that is not what God wants for your marriage. So one, again, we'll say it again and again, community, surround yourself with people that will help you fight and help you to see, have perspective to see how the enemy's speaking to you and giving giving you all these excuses as to why it's a good idea because it is man the consequence there's consequences for every decision and that one is ooh that one affects yeah it's a ripple effect i think that's why you know god has given us an opportunity to to walk with married couples just because of the hope that we you know I, we hope to portray you know, because we were at the bottom of the bottom. So not to say there's not other marriages that are in a much worse spot, but we were at about as low as you could get and God redeemed it. And so through, you know, I feel like that's our, that's our walk is to show people, Hey, there's hope, but people don't look at it that way. They, and I think that's what, where we get kind of frustrated in marriage ministry is people are like, there's no hope here. Mm-hmm. It's there's nothing that can be done, and that's not true. Yeah, but I think that's a lot of is the indoctrination that I create my destiny and I'm in charge of this. And so instead of trusting God, it's like, well, I go based on what I see. And so there's no believing a supernatural can happen because I'm just little old me. I'm just trying to make it in the world. And to think that God can do that is a big ask that I don't think is going to happen. And so that was me. It was like, well, I've tried really hard and we're to a place now where we don't even talk. We just are roommates and we just coexist um, for the kids. And so there is no hope. And when we start believing those lies, um, it's, I mean, that leads to death in, in terms of the marriage. Yeah, I want to circle back, and I I may edit this to go to the beginning. It was something I want to make sure I we say it over and over again throughout this. And Alyssa says it a lot. She says it well. There's no condemnation. If you're listening and you have been divorced, you are divorced, remarried, this is so you can take this to walk forward with. Yeah. There is no condemnation or shame. I have friends who are remarried, and I talked with the dear one the other night, and she gave me permis- permission to share this. She said... If she could have made it work the first time, she would have because of how hard and painful it is to walk through divorce. There's so much pain, so much shrapnel with with all parties, parents, your kids, your friends. It's so difficult to walk through, to, through a divorce. And so 
that is not what you want. So if you can avoid that, you need to avoid that. But if you're remarried, don't look back and say, I should have been able to fix that or done something differently. This is about now. And it's about fixing this relationship now. If you are divorced and not remarried, tuck this in your pocket. Don't don't go on living in shame because the first one didn't work out or the second one or third one. I mean, just know that now's the day. Take this information and step forward because there is healing and redemption. Like Brian was saying, we, we see a lot of second marriages, third marriages that there's so much redemption and now they're working on their marriage and that's awesome. Yeah. And that's all you can do. No, that's a good point. I'm glad you said that because God is big enough to bring healing to any situation. Right. So regardless of where you're at, that's good. Yeah. I saw this uh, quote that says, when the devil keeps asking you to look at your past, there's something in your future. He doesn't want you to see. Ooh. So we can't look back. You cannot change the past. So stop looking back because you're going to miss what's ahead. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, Alyssa and I um, sat with a woman yesterday as she was served divorce papers. And that's kind of, um, I'm telling you, these things keep getting put in front of me. And it was heartbreaking to, um, to watch as a woman had to basically read how her life's about to fall apart. And so if we can help you guys prevent that, I mean, we've all admitted we weren't far from that ourselves. And by the grace of God, we never had to read those papers for ourselves. But um, we earnestly would be praying that you guys are taking in all the tools that we're offering and any tools that you can find outside of this podcast to work on your marriage now. If it's in shambles, you you can fix it. If it's great, take these tools into account now so that you have them to avoid even getting close. Yeah. And for me, it's the humility, like looking at those papers, it was just, it's so overwhelming, but I have the humility to look at that and go, that could be me. Like I am not above anything. So it makes me want to fight that much harder um, to invest in our marriage and do the work so that I don't have to see that for myself. Um, But there is no, I mean, there is no pride in that at all. It is just totally a reflection of the goodness of God in our marriage and in our lives. But I think it really comes down to, you know, I had one girl who I was talking to and, um, you know, everything she said was based on her feelings, everything. And so when I tried to speak truth into that, you know, she would hold on to it for 2.5 seconds and then go, well, he just, and it's like you, I see that it's a lot easier when you look at someone else versus yourself. I get that. But looking at her and going, God is calling you to look at him. He wants you to learn to seek wisdom from him, to gain maturity in him and, and work on you because that's what all this is anyway. Marriage is to to make you more like Christ. And like we've said in previous podcasts, that means rough and or what's it called? Sanding down, Sanding the, down the rough edges. And so that's what he's calling us to do. Do the damn work and focus on your relationship with God. If you're in a terrible situation, you turn to the Lord and I promise you, he will never leave you. He is faithful. And if you wait expectantly out of faith that God can do great things, he will do great things. Well said. That's good. That's good. Sorry, I said damn. Jeff's been really quiet, just really <laughs> yeah, tired tonight. Processing. Yeah. 
I'm just tired. I'm just tired I, of the world. Oh my gosh, I'm yeah. tired of all the. I, I don't. Yeah. I really don't have too much to add. You know, the original question is have, how have you treated your marriage like a contract? And I guess at first I was thinking that you know I, I don't think I really have. I think. I've given you the opportunity to treat it like a contract. Like I've just sort of, but my, I guess my cavalier, it wasn't a covenant and I, I, I had selfish motives and I made selfish decisions in our marriage. And that's how I treated it like a contract, I guess. Hmm. I wasn't honoring God and honoring the covenant of marriage by lying. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess that that's how I, treated it like a contract just almost I guess maybe by default of not treating it like a covenant Would well and fair? but you always justified your behavior saying absolutely well, you know so that meant you were saying well she's not keeping up her part of the contract so I'm just not gonna I don't know no, yeah you get to yeah answer that's it, a good so. that's a yeah you weren't making the same money I was making so you don't have anything to say hmm. could be yeah something like that yeah. that's holy <laughs> said it real quick. I, I don't know if it's an immaturity on my part, but I mean, this whole covenant contract thing, I just don't care. I mean, it didn't, didn't phase me. You know, it's like, so what? We broke a piece of it. I mean, like, whoop. Mm. I, I really, I, I, that part of it wasn't a concern for me. Like, so what? We break a contract, whatever. And I can still have a covenant with God without my marriage. That's truly how I saw it. Yeah. I think, uh, Something that just came to mind it was a good analogy I heard recently. And what what God truly wants for us is, you know, I love double cheeseburgers from McDonald's. I have always loved. I haven't had one in forever, but we're going to go with this analogy. I love I love cheeseburgers from Carl's Jr. Good burgers. Get them all the time. I like their fresh vegetables. I hope they're fresh. They taste fresh. <laughs> and I love the burger. It is really good. Um, and that is my life. And God, and, and I've had that my whole life. Have you tried filet mignon? No, no, I don't need filet mignon. I have, I have the best burger ever in Carl's Jr. And God's like, I promise if you walk my walk, there is fillet, there is there is a reward and a something that will attack your senses like has never been attacked before in a good way and you just have no idea the level of joy of passion of peace that you could have because you've just been enjoying what you think is the best in the world and you honestly have no idea what the best is in the world and so just talking about honoring a contract and covenant you know, yeah, well, it's a contract because this is this is the best it's going to get. And God's like, man, I just, man, I promise it's not. Yeah, and is that we, good? We've seen yes. that a hundred percent. Like even the hard stuff we go through, God uses that for good, and it strengthens us. And I never dreamed that it could be as good as it is ever. Yeah. I mean, I never thought we'd get to a place where we can actually communicate. And I can actually be vulnerable when I speak to Brian and go, oh, I'm a little nervous about bringing this up because it is a vulnerability in, to me. And he 
accepts it lovingly and we're able to talk through things. We're not perfect. Yes, we argue. I mean, come on, we're still humans and we still have our stuff. But in those moments where I'm like, I can bring this to him and it can be a healthy connection and and just, I mean, not only does God bless our relationship, but he also blesses our family dynamics too. I mean, there is joy and there is peace within the home and our kids are seeing us, you know, work on the next generation in terms of living out this marriage, the good and the bad, and showing them that there's no such thing as perfect. No one has it all together. So stop, you know? So just being real, but the goodness of God through that is pretty incredible. Yeah. I want to say, first of all, I was going to mention that maybe Carl's Jr. can sponsor our equipment, but then <laughs> you kind of dogged him and said they weren't that great. Yeah. So <laughs> They're good, but they're not filet mignon. They're not <laughs> and th- th- that's actually one of their taglines, Carl's Jr., we're not filet mignon. <laughs> okay, for that matter, we've said it enough. Uh, hey, uh, CJ over there, send us somebody for right. our CJ. equipment. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's good. Uh, no, I wanted to... I, I, I want to paint a picture really fast. Um, so you walk into this room, you walk into this marriage, and you realize that you're surrounded by all these doors. Okay. In, in this visual, when you walked into your marriage, did you visualize all these doors as ways out of your marriage? Did you go into your marriage thinking, well, there are some doors that are open that I can use to escape if things get hard? For me, more doors appeared as time went on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I Because th- when you're newly married, there's no doors. We're just blissful. Yeah. And- this could be a cardboard box with no doors. For yeah, exactly. <laughs> Little kisses. So I do feel like she over time, <laughs> get her eyes. Oh, uh, no. That I has think, nothing to do with this conversation. I know, I'm just joking. <laughs> I was just, I, that, I that's how good I it was. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. That was good. Yeah, when you guys, okay. But um, yeah, I think more than anything, what I was thinking of, of when I got, when, when Alyssa and I got married was like, I can't, I can't have a second fill of marriage. Mm-hmm. No. But then by the end of it, his friend was like, that's okay. You'll just be like Ross on Friends. Yeah. <laughs> Two divorces. I'll be that guy. Yeah. So it's funny how you justify things after a while. It's like, well, screw that. I don't mind being married twice. You know what I mean? It Like yeah. how you justify, you know. never. Wasn't Ross that. married three times? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Divorced three times. Divorced three times, yeah. Oh, well, he did have two there for a little bit. Yep. <laughs> One of those was Rachel, right? Yeah, just that night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> you, I mean, you Sorry. think of that visual and you think of those doors or open doors as far as, yeah. well, and, and too many people go into marriage and go, well, if this doesn't work out, we'll just get divorced. And, I mean, we won't even, we'll, we'll start at the very base level of the emotional, that's not the base level, that's the really deep level. The base level is, it's super expensive, by the way, from what I'm learning, it's very complicated. It's so involved. And the emotional damage, like I said, is so intense. But we walk into it going, well, if this doesn't work, I have a back door. But let's say you walk into it and go, that's it. No, this, this door is locked. It's deadbolted. This is not a door. But I'll, we'll just coexist. That's, that's an option. Or I'll just escape to my addiction. That's an option. Mm-hmm. Or... I'll just, um, I'll go preoccupy myself with work or friends or my hobbies. 
what if we visualize that those are all different doors that we leave unlocked as a way to not have to stay in that room and work on our marriage? Do you think there's any of those? I mean, I'll admit, I, I escape. I escape to Netflix or a glass of wine or a run because it's easier than have, having to face a conflict or a hard thing. Yeah. I think, you know, it, going back to kind of our testimony of when Alyssa said divorce is not an option. So at that point she closed that door Mm -hmm. and then it was dead bolted. So we've, we've never, you know, from that point on, we never, we never used divorce in a, in a conversation. That's another thing you need to be really careful about is throwing the word divorce around. Um, that's it. That's very weighty. And we use it as like, you know, a threat. I don't really understand, but it's it's toxic to a marriage because you're putting it out there and it I don't I, I just feel like it's just like taking out the trash. Well we'll just get a divorce. Like it's no big deal. And the there's the some sides of it is a threat and other sides are like a comfort to go, well you're hurting me, so I'm just gonna attack you in this way and say that I'll divorce you. And so it is it should not be coming up in in discussions or fights or anything that is that's really unhealthy it's it's not it's not okay at the end of the day if anybody wanted to know yeah. it's, well it's like you're standing by that door going um if this gets worse i'm out i'm, I'm out i'm, I'm out. threatening you like i don't care and it's, i'll challenge you if that's something you guys do if that's and that's not that's not something i've ever had in our marriage i don't even like to use the word divorce i've never said it as a threat but I know people do. And if that's something that you guys are doing, you need to sit down together and discuss and make a vow to lock that door and ban that word from your conversation and just say together, we're going to vow to lock that door. That's not an option. We're taking it off the table, just like what elicited and stood her ground. Yeah. Yeah, And that, that, that terminology can come in. I'm done or I'm out. That's what we used. I I think using that kind of, vocabulary every time you use it 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 creates a little bit more of a wound you know and i think yeah. it just continues to to make that wound bigger and bigger until it's you get to the point where you're like well screw it if you're just going to keep talking about it let's just do it and it's a defense mechanism it is that i'm not going to let you hurt me I'm going to divorce you. And so it's like, this would be easier. So it's actually like, it's fest, you know, it's making that you're just trying to put those walls up of protection. And there is a D word that you can use. And maybe this would help is you get to be disappointed Mm -hmm. in your marriage and you get to be disappointed with your spouse. You get to be frustrated with your spouse and you don't handle that by just, I don't handle that by just sitting here saying Lisa's just so disappointing and I go to bed. You get to sit down and talk about it. Hey, what you did, I want to walk through this, but it really disappointed me in how you acted or you know how I acted. And we get to have a conversation and hopefully it's healthy and to where you're not just pissed off and I'm I'm not just pissed off. Lisa disappointed me. I guess maybe I need to think about getting a divorce. You know, you you can let's have that conversation and and sort of tamp the fire down a little bit. That's really good. That's a good clarification. Yeah. All right, you I'm done. Say you're disappointed. <laughs> Those are yeah. my two comments. 
it's totally okay to be disappointed. It is, but I think... How how do you handle that disappointment? But I think a lot of that comes with maturity. You have to do the work and be able to go, to be vulnerable and go, you disappointed me in this. And the other person has to... Receive it. Receive it and not attack. So that's the thing. There's just two very broken, unhealthy people just lashing out at each other, throwing everything in the kitchen sink at each other. That's not healthy. And so it's like, again, we say it... over and over again, you got to stop, disengage that situation and focus on your relationship with Christ first, because this other, this other person that you're trying to change or trying to manipulate or whatever is never going to work. So the maturity comes in trusting God more than your situation, going to God first. um, And that's the reality of it. And if you think that's foolish or silly or whatever, you're bound for, for failure because Marriage is hard and it does take being the bigger person to say, I know this stinks, but in order to make it better, there's nothing we walk through that's like, this is a breeze. And then you come out of the other side and you're like, I'm better and stronger because of it. It's the trials that makes make us better and stronger. And it's Christ in us that he can do great things. Well, one of the things we talk about a lot is that we're in control of ourselves in our marriage. So then mm-hmm. what if it is your spouse that's throwing divorce at you all the time? And I would, I'd venture to say it's usually out of fear. They have that fear so that we talked about this before. Men fear that they're going to fail and women fear that they're going to be abandoned. And so if your spouse is throwing that word at you, maybe you go, I want you to know I'm never going to leave you. I don't want a divorce. So what can we do to fix this? So if it's the woman, you're going to say, I'm not going anywhere. You seem like you're afraid right now. So you're trying to be proactive in saying that. But I want you to know I'm not going anywhere. So what do we need to do to fix this marriage? If you're the girl and the husband is saying that, then you could go, babe, you're not going to fail me. We're not going to let this fail. You're doing, you're doing all you can. What can we do to make this marriage a success? So because you can't, you can't change them. You're in charge of you. But so if they're throwing that word at you, just address them and say, what are you afraid of? And how can we together lock these doors? Like, let's go through case by case. What is it we're leaving open? And how can we repair our covenant with God and lock these doors together and say, I'm, I'm going to no longer let this be an option. I'm going to lock this door of escape so that I can really sit and have a good conversation with my husband and work on our marriage and not just go, you know what? This is hard right now. I'm going to escape. That's really good. Makes sense. That was one of the things that was really impactful for us to, to learn that analogy of lock the doors. There's no options. There's nowhere to go. So guess what? The only option is to stay in that little room and it feels real small all of a sudden and do the work. Yeah, that's good. Cause I think, you know, it's funny how we justify everything and we're, we're like, oh, well, my door is pretty small and I got one of those doors that like the top part opens, but the bottom stays shut. You know, they had the at daycares and stuff. Um, <laughs> that was me. I was like, oh, yeah, this door's closed. Well, the top part's open. I could still see out. I could still escape. And so in my, like I would, I probably would tell people, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do divorce. But it's like, it, really, it is making the decision for me it's making the decision to go i i never i really have god's really shown me to never use the words never and always and so um i picture more of like closing that door and and asking god to like stand in front of it i know that's weird but it's like mm. it's not by my strength that this marriage is going to work 
Because if it is, then I'm walking out flesh and I'm trying to control because that's where I go to is control um, and and keep like work so hard to keep all my ducks in a row and everybody happy and that doesn't work either. So I just feel like it's more of a surrender. Um, but I think we do have to be intentional about understanding these doors and understanding how we do escape in order to guard our hearts against where we typically run to out of fear. Yeah, this isn't, let's make a deal. There's no pride right, behind any exactly. of those doors. And you think there is. You think you've got a vision, like, oh, there's, there's better things. Like we talked about, the grass is greener. There's not. The prize is staying, like you said earlier, the, the prize is staying and doing the work. Like what we have now is so much richer than I ever thought. Even even surpassing those cute teenage dating years, it's, it's so much richer and deeper. And the friendship and the emotional vulnerability we can have with each other it was worth sticking it out and that's where the prize was yeah. and it's dumb little stuff that happens that I'm like oh he loves me it's just so yeah. dumb but like the other day I was driving down the road and I saw him and I was going through the intersection and he looked at, and I was like a little kid I was like waving like crazy yeah. at him like hey <laughs> and then he waved like crazy back at me and I was like oh I just feel so seen right now like <laughs> he gets me and it's like so silly but it it just makes me feel really loved in those funny moments. And so it's like, yeah, I just, for anybody, like there is hope. And I, and I just challenge you to stop listening to the lies and stop making your feelings, Mm. make, stop thinking that your feelings equal truth because they don't. I'll say another element to consider. I remember my parents, fought incessantly like it was constant but it was nitpicky fighting uh, there was a couple big fights but it was just always and I don't remember the event that led to this but I do remember sitting in my room and my parents coming and sitting down with us and saying you guys need to know we are never getting a divorce we are always going to fight for this marriage wow and so if you've thrown those words around or you think your kids get ha- have any fear that it's not going to work out that that moment of assurance I never doubted again. They fought all the time. I sometimes, not, I wouldn't wish they'd get a divorce, but it was a lot of fighting. It was but pretty annoying sometimes. It was annoying, but it, it stuck with me that I knew that that, that was a secure place they were going to stay. You know, so that's a profound thing too. Important. That's good. Mm. Yeah, I think that obviously marriage is opposed, right? Yeah. And so people that, that, say, well, you know, we tried, it didn't work out, and they make an agreement that it's not going to affect the kids or their, right. re, you know, mm. relationships moving forward. That is a lie. Yeah. It is opposed for a reason. The reason, the enemy wants to destroy your marriage for a reason. That's right. And that reason is it causes death and destruction. Yeah, talk to anybody whose parents got divorced, even in the best circumstances, which that's hard to find it's damaging and they you know they go through so many fears and doubts and the people that I was saying earlier I talked to about if they could have do it done it better they've raised great kids that doesn't mean the kids aren't wounded though I have great friends mm-hmm. whose parents divorced and they will tell you how damaging it was to have to walk through that and to have stuff at two different houses and friends in two different neighborhoods and all of that is just so complicated and difficult Avoid it if you can, y'all. I mean, goodness, by the grace of God, 
we're here, and I don't plan on getting a divorce, babe. I'm going to close those doors. I don't doors. plan on getting a divorce either. <laughs> and there is no relationship out there that's easy. That's right. And you if know? you guys want to talk about, if you're thinking about going through a divorce and need to talk to someone, Brian's cell phone is... Four, <laughs> that's right. Four, three, two, That's crazy. It's, it's uh, 28 cents a minute. <laughs> oh, jeez. He's Jeep. Oh, my Don't stars. Don't call a lawyer. Call Brian. Oh, my stars. <laughs> That's the value you get. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm about 15 cents a minute. Um, you know, when I was kind of preparing for this podcast, one thing that I was just curious about is, like, why does the enemy hate marriage? Or why does he want to destroy it? And so I kind of did some research, and this is, I found five things that, why the enemy hates marriage. Um, number one, he hates Jesus. Um, in Revelation 12, 12, it says the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing he has little time. So that time he's going to use, he's going to, he's going to be fierce and he's going to try to destroy your marriage. He hates Jesus in you. Uh, we reflect God's glory. So the enemy wants to be, he wants us to be ineffective and, and unfruitful and prideful and self-centered. Um, he And the third one is he hates Jesus at the center of your marriage. Your marriage is a picture to the watching world of Jesus's relationship with the church, and he hates that. Mm, that's a good point. Um, the fourth one is um, he hates your children. Satan doesn't, doesn't know the future. He isn't all-knowing, but he does know the impact of a godly family. He doesn't want your children to be raised in a God-centered home. He he will do what he can to stunt your kids' growth in Christ through the pain of, of a broken home. If he can su- succeed in that, he will prevent the next generation from building Christ-centered marriages. And last of all, he hates your potential impact for him. And so if he could destroy your marriage, he can destroy your kids, and he can eliminate the impact that you have on, on you know, just unbelievers. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think the kid part is, you know, again, God can can restore if Absolutely. if you've got, you know, if you are divorced and you have kiddos, you have to give them to God. Like you you have to trust that God can bring good from the situation. Not to say he's the not just not destroying your kids. It's more of, like Lisa said, wounding children, um, and it doesn't leave a mark on them. And so if you can, you know, so that I was just going to yeah. throw that in there. No, and, and I like the, the the fact that you guys led off with the, with the fact that there is no condemnation in Christ. But I say that, be, I say this about the enemy because we need to know that there is an enemy. We talked about it in the last podcast, you know, with the, with the men, is we're at war. And if if we realize that that the enemy is he wants to destroy you in every aspect of your life, and he wants to destroy your children, and I think the most effective way that he does that is if he can get into a marriage and destroy it, because it's a picture of what Jesus intended. You know, he 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 made this picture to look like we're we're in a marriage with Jesus, and so it's our marriage on earth is a reflection of that. So he hates it. Yeah, I think it's good to have that perspective to understand it is not your spouse that's the enemy. The enemy is the enemy, and he is using your spouse to try and tear up your marriage. Yeah. Well, one of the things you said was um, 
they are, he wants to destroy your impact for his kingdom. And I think about women who are asked to step back from serving in the church because they're getting a divorce. And that's just playing right into his hands. Like it's the nail in the coffin. Like if we can get the church itself to take these women out of service yeah. or for shame to take them out of trying to impact others. And what I love is we've got people on our marriage team who are remarried and they're impacting marriages and they could have believed the lie that they have nothing to offer because they're remarried in a marriage team. But no, they're believing the truth that God is telling them you have something to offer. And that's something you guys, you need to make sure that is defeating the enemy when you make that decision to serve and impact for Christ's kingdom and and rise above the shame. That's good. Yeah. So also for those people, I know that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we say here, you there's going to be people out there that say, yeah, that's good for you, but you don't know my situation. And I, I just want to encourage you. It, if you center your relationship around God, it doesn't matter what you're in. There's hope in all circumstances. Mm. Yeah, so good. This is not a place where, you know, you should have, could have, would have. And you know, right. it's not. It's just a, if you are married and you are struggling, which we all struggle in our marriage, yeah. hang on because it is worth fighting for. And, and this is this is not... Divorce is not a salvation issue. That's right. That's right. And and I think that's where also the church, a lot of churches have done a bad yeah. job is because they they make it a salvation issue. And so that's what I grew up, you know, thinking like you get a divorce, you're going to hell, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not true. This is not a salvation issue. That's crazy. It's a priority. Yeah. Thing. The things that lead up to divorce are sin, but I don't think the act of a civic divorce is a sin. I could be wrong on that one. Challenge me on that one too, but... Um, it's the person who chose to broke the co- break the covenant. They sinned against their marriage. And so, yeah, the church has been hurtful, especially to women for some reason, if they're going through a divorce. And that is the, those are the people they need the most in that moment. They need your community of Christ followers to lo- walk alongside you in a very, very difficult time. They, they need you to help co-parent at that time. They need you to lift them up in their self-esteem and reassure them of their God that they, their God didn't go anywhere in that time. And so we hope that you guys recognize that that's our heart is that we want to do that. I mean, God keeps, I work in a marriage ministry and I'm walking with six women getting divorced right now. So either I have to decide I really suck at my job or <laughs> God's placing these women in my life for a reason. And that's to show grace and humility in what yeah, they're going through. And I think to remind them of their worth is a big one too, because just because you're going through hard things, it, it doesn't define who you are at, by any means. And it's really crazy how Satan is trying to use these, this, your current situation to define you and tell you you're worth worthless and nobody wants you. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. And so um, I, I would just hunker down, find community and seek God's, God's truth to let him tell you who you are and not let the world around you define you because um, even the church can be brutal. Yeah, very good. Can I? Are we good? Can I pray? Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Okay, God, we love you, and we just come before you in humility. And I just pray over anybody that's listening, over couples, over family. Um, God, we all struggle. No one is perfect, um, and I just pray um, for your grace 
um, over anyone that's listening, God, that I pray that you instill truth in their heart. I pray that you give them new perspective, eyes to see what you're doing in and through the hard times to bring them closer to you. God, you are life, you are restoration. And so I just pray that um, you humble hearts for you and that people would press into you um, and see what you have for them. I pray that feelings would not dictate direction and truth in their life anymore. No more of that, God, that they would just um, choose to walk out of feelings and walk in truth based on who they are and their worth and um, what you have for them. And I pray the desire in their heart to seek you through reading the Bible and finding community um, of people that will speak truth over their lives. God, we just surrender everything and we thank you for the restoration you've done in our marriage. And um, I say that in all humility because it's only by your goodness that we are where we are. Um, And so thank you for what you can do and in these marriages. And um, I just pray that people choose to fight because it's so worth the fight and you are a good God and you want more for us. And so if you're in a pit, turn to God and, and trust him over what you can see in front of you. God, we love you and we thank you. Amen. 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 In Jesus name. Love you guys. Great job, you guys. Have a great week. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Get your candles out. He is risen. Get your candles. He's, he's risen. He's risen.